Fairy tale number seven, part of the world's best fairy tale series. Cinderella by Charles Perrault, part of the Andrew Lang collection. Are you all ready? Once there was a gentleman who married for his second wife, the proudest and most haughty woman that was ever seen. She had, by a former husband, two daughters who possessed their mother's temper and who were indeed exactly like her in all things. The man had a young daughter of his own who had an unusually sweet disposition which she took from her mother, who had been the nicest person in the world. No sooner were the ceremonies of their wedding over then the stepmother began to show her true colours. She could not bear the good qualities of her pretty stepdaughter, and all the less because they made her own daughters appear the more odious. She employed her in the meanest work of the house, scouring the dishes and tables and scrubbing Madame's room and those of her daughters. The girl slept in a miserable garret on a wretched straw bed, while her sisters occupied fine rooms with beds of the very newest fashion and where they had looking glasses so large they could view themselves from head to foot. The poor girl bore all of this patiently and dared not tell her father who would have scolded her for his wife ruled him entirely. When she had done her work she used to go into the chimney corner and sit down among the cinders and ashes, which is the reason why they called her Cinder Wrench. Cinder Wench. But the younger of the sisters, who was not as rude and mean as the elder, called her Cinderella. However, Cinderella, notwithstanding her shabby attire, was a hundred times more beautiful than her sisters, though they were always dressed very richly. It happened that the king's son gave a ball and invited all persons of fashion to it. The two sisters were among those invited, for they cut very grand figures. Yes, they did. They were delighted with this invitation and became wonderfully busy, choosing such gowns, petticoats and headdresses as might become them. This meant new trouble for Cinderella, for it was she who ironed her sister's linen and pleated their ruffles while they talked of nothing but how they should be dressed for the ball. For my part, said the elder, I will wear my red velvet suit with French trimming. And I, said the younger, shall have my usual silk skirt. But then, to make amends for that, I will put on my gold-flowered cloak and my diamond necklace, which is far from being the most ordinary one in the world. They sent for the best milliner to make up their headdresses and adjust their double-frilled caps, and they ordered their rouge and beauty patches from Mademoiselle's Mademoiselle de la Poche. Cinderella 
was also consulted in all these matters. For she had excellent ideas. And she offered her services to dress their hair, which they were very willing she should do. As she was doing this, they said to her, Cinderella, would you not like to go to the ball? Alas, she said, it is not for such as I. You are right, they replied. It would make people laugh to see such a cinder wench at a palace ball. The two sisters went almost two days without eating. So much they were transported with joy. They broke more than a dozen laces in trying to be laced up tightly so that they might have fine slender shapes and were continually at their looking glasses. At last the happy day came. They went to court and Cinderella followed them with her eyes as long as she could. When she had lost sight of them, she began to cry. Her godmother found her in tears and asked asked her what was the matter. I wish I could. I wish I could. But Cinderella was not able to speak the rest, being interrupted by her tears and sobbing. This godmother of hers, who was a fairy, said... You wish to go to the ball, is that not so? Yes, cried Cinderella with a great sigh. Well, said her godmother, be a good girl and I will arrange that you shall go. Then she said to Cinderella, run into the garden and pick me a pumpkin. Cinderella went immediately to gather the finest pumpkin and brought it to her godmother. But she could not imagine how it could help her go to the ball. Her godmother scooped out all of the inside, leaving nothing but the rind. Then she struck it with her wand, and the pumpkin was instantly turned into a fine coach. She then found six live mice in the mousetrap. She told Cinderella to lift up the little door, and after she gave each mouse... As it went out, a little tap with her wand. Tap. Every mouse was turned into a fine horse. Altogether, they made a very handsome set of six beautiful horses with blonde manes. Being at a loss for a coachman, Cinderella said, I will go and see if there is a rat in the rat trap. We may make a coachman of him yet. Yes, replied her godmother. Go and look. Cinderella brought the rat trap to her, and in it there were three huge rats. The fairy chose the one which had the largest beard, and, touching him with her wand, she turned him into a fat, jolly coachman with the smartest moustache that eyes ever beheld. Then she said to Cinderella, Go again into the garden and you will find six lizards. Bring them to me. Cinderella had no sooner done so than her godmother turned them into six footmen who skipped up immediately behind the coach 
their green liveries trimmed with silver. The fairy then said to Cinderella, Well, you see here a retinue fit to take you to the ball. Oh, yes, cried Cinderella, but must I go as I am in these old rags? Her godmother barely touched her with her wand, and at the same instant her rags were turned into clothes of silver and trimmed with gold and jewels. This done, she gave her a pair of glass slippers, the prettiest in the whole world. Thus adorned, Cinderella climbed into her coach. Then her godmother commanded her, above all things, not to stay out after midnight, telling her that if she stayed one moment later, the coach would become a pumpkin again, her horses mice, her coachman a rat, her footmen lizards, and her clothes would become just as they were before. Cinderella promised her godmother she would not fail to leave the ball before midnight. And then away she drove, scarcely able to contain herself for joy. The king's son, who was told that a great princess whom nobody knew had come, ran out to receive her. He gave her his hand, and she alighted from the coach, and led her into the hall, among all the company. There was immediately a profound silence. The other guests stopped dancing, and the violins ceased to play. So attentive was everyone to the singular beauties of the unknown newcomer. Nothing was then heard but, ah, ooh, ah, how lovely she is. Ah, how lovely she is. The king himself, old as he was, could not help watching her. And he told the queen softly that it was a long time since he had seen a so beautiful a creature. All the ladies were busy observing her clothes and headdress, so they might have some made next day after the same pattern, provided they could find such fine materials and able hands to make them. The king's son conducted her to the seat of honour, and afterwards took her out to dance with him, and she danced so gracefully that all admired her more and more. A fine supper was served, but the young prince ate nothing, so intently was he gazing on Cinderella. And that is the end of part one of Cinderella. That is the end tonight's bedtime fairy tale story. Okay. Night night everyone. Good night little ones. Say night night. Night night. Sweet dreams. Cinderella part two.
The king's son conducted her to the seat of honour, and afterwards took her out to dance with him. And she danced so gracefully that all admired her more and more. A fine supper was served, but the young prince ate nothing so intently was he gazing on Cinderella. She sat down by her sisters, showing them a thousand civilities, giving them some of the oranges and lemons with which the prince had presented her. And this surprised them very much, for they did not recognise her. While Cinderella was thus amusing her two sisters, she heard the clock strike eleven and three quarters. She immediately made a curtsy to the company and hastened away as fast as she could. Reaching home, she ran to seek out her godmother, and after having thanked her, said that she heartily wished she might go to the ball the next day, because the king's son had asked her. As she was eagerly telling her godmother all that had happened that evening, her two sisters knocked at the door, which Cinderella ran and opened. How long have you stayed? she cried, rubbing her eyes and stretching herself as if she had just been awakened from her sleep. She had not, of course, had any inclination to sleep since they had left home. If you had been at the ball, said one of the sisters, you would not have been tired with it. There came unexpectedly the finest princess, the most beautiful ever seen with mortal eyes. She showed us a thousand civilities and gave us oranges and lemons. Cinderella seemed very indifferent. But she asked them the name of the princess. Cinderella seemed very indifferent, but she asked them the name of the princess. They told her they did not know it, and that the king's son would give all the world to know who she was. At this, Cinderella smiled and replied, She must, then, be very beautiful indeed. How happy you have been! Could I not see her? Ah, dear Miss Charlotte, do lend me your yellow dress, which you wear every day. Ah, to be sure, cried Miss Charlotte. Then my clothes to a dirty cinder wench. I should be a fool. Cinderella, indeed, had expected such an answer and was very glad of the refusal, for she would have been sadly put, put to it if her sister had done what she asked for jestingly. The next day, the two sisters were at the ball, and so was Cinderella, but dressed more magnificently than before. The king's son was always by her side and never ceased his compliments and kind speeches to her. Oh, what a ball. All this was so far from being tiresome that she quite forgot what her grandmother had commanded her. 
At last, she counted the clock, striking twelve, when she had thought it to be no more than eleven. She then rose up and fled, as nimble as a deer. The prince followed, but could not overtake her. But she lost one of her glass slippers, which the prince picked up most carefully. Cinderella reached home quite out of breath and in her old clothes, having nothing left of her finery but one of the little slippers, mate to the one she had dropped. The guards at the palace gate were asked if they had seen a princess go out, but no, they had seen nobody except a young girl, very poorly dressed, who had more the air of a country wench than a gentlewoman. When the two sisters returned from the ball, Cinderella asked them if they had been well entertained and if the fine lady had been there. They said yes, but that she had hurried away immediately when it struck twelve, and with such haste that she had dropped one of her little glass slippers which the prince had picked up. He had done nothing but look at her during the ball, and he was very much in love with the beautiful girl who owned the glass slipper. What they said was true, for a few days afterwards, the king's son caused it to be proclaimed, by sound of trumpet, that he would marry the girl whose foot this slipper would just fit. His gentleman-in-waiting began to try it upon the princesses, then the duchesses, and all the court, but in vain. It was brought to the two sisters, who each did what she possibly could to thrust her foot into the slipper, but they could not manage it. Cinderella, who knew her slipper, said to them, smiling, Let me see if it will not fit me. Her sisters burst out laughing and began to tease her. The gentleman who was sent to try the slipper looked earnestly at Cinderella and, finding her very lovely, said it was only fair that Cinderella should try and that he had orders to let everyone do so. He bade Cinderella sit down and, putting the slipper to her foot, he found it went on easily and fitted her as if it had been made of wax. The astonishment of her two sisters was great but it was greater still when Cinderella pulled out of her pocket the other slipper. At this, there appeared her godmother, who touched Cinderella's clothes with her wand, making them more magnificent than any she had ever worn before. Her two sisters threw themselves at her feet to ask forgiveness for all the ill-treatment they had made her suffer. Cinderella embraced them and said that she forgave them with her whole heart and desired them always to love her. She was conducted to the young prince. He thought her more charming than ever and, a few days afterwards, married her. Cinderella, who was no less good than she was beautiful, gave her two sisters rooms in the palace and that very same day matched them with two great lords of the court. And that is the end 
of Cinderella. Night night everybody. Sleep well. Night night. Sleepy time.